Back in May of 1997, a powerful tornado swept through Cedar Park, Texas, flattening buildings and overturning cars. And shoppers at a local supermarket were in a panic. But then the commanding voice of the manager of that supermarket, Larry Four, came over the intercom and said, do not leave the store or you will die. Your only chance for survival is to do exactly what I tell you. And he then directed everyone to enter the nearest meat locker. All the shoppers survived that tornado without incident. Now, why did Larry speak to the shoppers with such authority? It is because 18 years before, he survived an even more devastating tornado. He had been through the danger before, and so he knew how to bring others through it safely. Now, I can think of, I can't think of, of much that would be more frightening than going through a tornado. And that's what I think about when I read today's scripture lesson about a violent wind. You know, it's astounding just how powerful the wind can be sometimes, isn't it? Some of us saw this firsthand just a couple of years ago when we went to the Gulf Coast to help with the cleanup efforts after Hurricane Katrina. There were cargo ships and shrimp boats thrown up into the woods. There were houses with nothing left but a foundation. There was a bridge stacked up like dominoes. And it was a powerful demonstration of the devastating force of wind. I was reading about a town on the coast of Scotland that was experiencing a, a heavy wind. And, and the, at the height of the gale, the harbor master radioed the local coastal authority and asked them to estimate the wind speed. And the officer replied that, that he was sorry, but that he didn't have a gauge. However, if it would help any, he said, the wind had just blown his Land Rover off the cliff. Now, that's a strong wind. Kind of reminds me of two farmers who were bragging to one another about the strongest wind that they had ever seen. And one of them, one of them said out here in California, I saw the fiercest wind of my life. He said, you know those giant redwood trees? Well, the wind was so strong that it bent, bent them right down to the ground. And the other one said, well, that's nothing. Back on my farm in Iowa, we had a terrible wind one day, and it was blowing 100 miles an hour, and it was so hard, so bad, that, that one of my hens had her back turned to the wind, and she laid the same egg six times. <laughs> now, that's a strong wind. One of the most interesting stories I've read about wind is found in the book Small Miracles. It concerned the British astronomer Camille Flammarion. And it seems that in 1900, when he was writing his famous book on the atmosphere, Flammarion was, was working on the chapter about wind when all of a sudden a strong gust of wind swept all of the papers off of his desk and blew them out the window. Well, as they fluttered to the ground several, several yards away from his house, a friend of Flammarion's happened to be walking by and he saw the papers lying there and he picked them up and looked them over and discerned that they were Flammarion's work and, and assumed that he had dropped them on his way to the publisher. 
And so hoping to avert a crisis, the man decided to personally deliver the pages to the publishing house. However, the editor was not in his office, so the man simply placed the chapter on the editor's desk without leaving a note of explanation. We also need to know that the editor's office had several large windows that were open at the time. And so the next day, Flammarion was astonished to learn from his editor that he had in his possession the missing chapter that had blown out the window. So both of them concluded with growing excitement that it must have been blown there by the wind, complete, intact. It was only several days later that his friend would meet with Flammarion and tell him the truth of what had happened. But you know, these things tell us that wind can be powerful and wind can be unpredictable And sometimes wind can be amusing. And that probably has something to do with our text for today, which uses the analogy of wind to demonstrate the coming of God's Holy Spirit. Our lesson for today from the book of Acts begins like this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place when suddenly a sound like, a blow, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all, who, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the, as the Spirit enabled them. My friends, this wind that came down on the day of Pentecost was the most significant wind that has ever blown. In fact, you may be aware that the word for wind in both the Greek and the Hebrew, pneuma and ruach, is also the word for spirit. And I believe that we will be able to understand better the work of God's Holy Spirit if we think for a few moments about the nature of wind. So let's begin right here. First of all, wind is necessary for life. As Dr. Donald DeYoung denotes um, in his book, Weather in the Bible, He says, wind is moving air, and this fresh air is needed continually for life itself. Even seeds often require wind for their dispersal and subsequent growth. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God, and God is the source for all of life. The word for wind and spirit is also the same word for breath. And so in the creation story, when when it says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being, God was not only breathing air into Adam's nostrils, but also God's own spirit. And Adam became a living being. You know, it's not air that makes us unique among 
God's creation, among God's creatures. Every animal that lives on the earth breathes air. But what makes us different is the fact that we have God's spirit within us. A spirit that God breathes into us and makes us one with the Lord. Jesus, before he left them, promised his disciples that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And in essence, what he was saying here was that I will give you the very breath of my life. I will give you the very essence of who I am. And on Pentecost, God breathed new life into those disciples. And not only with the air that was moving that day, but especially with the spirit that was moving that day. And so the pneuma of God gives not only life, but also new life. You know, when you and I were born, the doctor slapped us on the behind and we started breathing. That was physical air that we took in and it gave us life. But Jesus promised us a gift that was even greater than that physical air. For you see, he promised us that the Holy Spirit would come upon us and give us new life. And new life is precisely what many of us need. Now, let's just face it, folks. How many of us, how many of us know today people who are just existing day to day? Their lives have no real zest, no joy. There's no real purpose there. And they don't, have to, uh, they don't have what the disciples had on that day of Pentecost. They don't have that joy and that zest and that purpose for living. And, and this may be describing some of you here today. And we don't know what, uh, what we are missing by not having that in our lives. But the good news is that God has made God's Spirit available to each and every one of us. Just as surely as God's Spirit descended upon those disciples on that first day of Pentecost. It is available for us to receive. And all we have to do is to take it. Back in 1980, um, I'm sorry, back in 1865... A Wells Fargo stagecoach was robbed of $180,000 in uh, money and gold bullion. A posse cornered the robbers as they tried to cross Mud Lake in Idaho. And knowing that they could never escape from this posse while weighed down with all of that gold, the robbers dumped the gold into the deepest part of the lake and made their escape. In the 138 years since that robbery, few people have turned up any of that treasure. Back in 1901, some treasure hunters did recover three bars of gold worth about $25,000. But much of that treasure is still believed to be sitting at the bottom of Mud Lake. All that gold just sitting there at the bottom of the lake waiting for someone to retrieve it. And in the same way, we have available to us the potential for new life, new purpose, new joy. And it's just waiting for us to claim it. And all we need to do is to open ourselves up to the Spirit of God. So you see, just as the wind is necessary for life, the Holy Spirit is necessary to give us new life.
Then the second characteristic of wind that we need to consider today is this. Wind is invisible. We cannot see it. But we know it by its results. Maple trees depend upon wind to blow their seeds to new places where they can grow into new trees. Hot air balloons go wherever the wind takes them. Hurricanes devastate coastal areas while bringing much-needed rain to drought-stricken areas. As Donald DeYoung says, wind has no material shape or form. It is invisible. We cannot see the source or the destination of wind. It is a mysterious, unseen force. Nevertheless, its presence is known by its effects. And in the same way, the unseen Holy Spirit can be experienced in refreshing ways as God's presence is delayed or displayed in the work of God, the work that God does in human lives by transforming them, by sanctifying them, by encouraging them and teaching them. My friends, people have had their lives changed by the Holy Spirit, and it is the Spirit that lifts us up above the mundane things of life. Charles Swindle tells about a bazaar that was held in northern India. Uh, Everybody brought their wares to trade or to sell, and, and one old farmer brought in a whole covey of quail. He had, he had them tied on a string. There was a string that, that was tied around one leg of each one of the birds. And the other end of the strings that came from those birds were all tied to a ring that fit loosely over a stick in the middle. And he had trained these birds to walk around in a circle. Around and around, kind of like a mule at a sugarcane mill. Just walking around and around in a circle. Well, I guess it was kind of entertaining, but no one seemed to be interested in buying these birds until a devout Brahmin came along. And and he believed in the Hindu idea of respect for all of life. And so he his heart had compassion that went out to these poor creatures walking in this monotonous circle around and around. And he said to the vendor, I want to buy all of them. And so after receiving the money, the merchant was surprised to hear the buyer say, now set them free. And the merchant said, what did you say? And the Brahmin said, you heard me cut the strings from their legs and turn them loose. And so with a shrug, the old farmer bent down and snipped the strings off of the quail's legs and they were freed at last. But do you know what happened? The birds just kept walking around, marching around in that circle, around and around. And so finally the man had to shoo them off, and he kind of shooed them off. And even, but even when they landed some distance away, they, they resumed their predictable march around in circles. Free, unfettered, released. And yet they kept going around and around as if they were still tied with a string. Well, my friend, so many Christians are just like those birds. They're good people. They believe in God and they accept the great doctrines of the church. 
But they're just marching around in circles like those birds. They don't feel God's presence in their lives. And, and they've, they've never heard the sound of that powerful, violent wind. And so they're just marking time. And it's true that we can't see the Spirit of God. But we should be able to see the effect of God's Spirit in our lives. For you see, we should have more joy and more love and more vitality if God lives within us. The church at Pentecost was a joyful, loving, dynamic group of individuals when the Spirit came upon them. And we need that same kind of spirit in our lives today if we're going to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Then finally, there's one more thing to be said about the nature of wind this morning. And that is that wind cannot be controlled. It blows where it will. Again, quoting from Dr. DeYoung, he says, wind is a powerful force. It cannot be stopped or controlled by people. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is not subject to human control. The moving of the Holy Spirit is God at work. And there is great variety in the wind. It may be a soft whisper gently rustling the leaves on the trees. Or it may be a hurricane uprooting those trees. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit may gently bring a person to Christ, such as a little child raised in a Christian home. Or the Spirit may work in some dramatic way to bring conviction and conversion to a hardened sinner. We never know when or where the Spirit of God will manifest itself. Sometimes it comes when we least expect it. And sometimes it comes in spite of ourselves. Pastor Richard Stetler tells a delightful story of a wealthy woman who left the church but chose to remain on the rolls in order to get the church newsletter every week. Uh, It seems that she had had a falling out with the pastor some years before and she vowed that she would never return again. But she became hospitalized, and the minister was informed of this by another member of the church. And knowing that the woman probably would not be overjoyed with seeing him, the minister chose to send his newly hired seminary student who was on the staff of the church. And he didn't tell the, the, uh, the student about anything about this woman's history. He just sent him to visit with the woman in the hospital. And so the young man went, and as he entered her room, which was very dark, and it was a private room, it was dark at the time, and as he approached the bed, he accidentally dislodged the side rail, and it slammed down with a bang. Well, that got things started off right. And then, as he was trying to explain who he was, he attempted to raise the rail back up again to its proper position, But when he did that, he knocked over the woman's water pitcher and the water poured over the the uh, uh, the stand and onto the floor. And so, as you can imagine, this young seminary student was, was totally humiliated by now. Everything he was trying was going wrong. So he decided that it was best just to say a prayer and leave. But as he prayed, his anxiety level was so high that none of the words came out right And he was emotionally devastated as he said, Amen. And then he quickly left the room believing that he was not destined to become a minister. 
But then he got back to the church and there was a phone call that came for him. And it was that patient that he had just visited in the hospital. And she said, young man, you must come back. She said, I apologize for not speaking with you, but I was trying so hard not to burst out laughing at what you were trying to do with great sincerity that I was too embarrassed to try to speak. And then she said, I have not laughed like that for years. And you gave me a precious gift. And you helped me to realize that for the last several years, I have been a prisoner of my own creation. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute, folks. That young seminary student went to minister to this woman, and his intentions were good, but his actions were inept. But you know what? That's all right. Because you see, when we go out there to serve the Lord, we don't go alone. The Holy Spirit goes with us. And the Holy Spirit found a way to minister to this woman even through the awkwardness of this young man. And this is what we discover time and time again. The Holy Spirit makes up for our inadequacy. I can't tell you how many times I have experienced this in my own ministry. I have shared with some of you before that there have been times when I was in the middle of preaching a sermon and for me it just wasn't happening, you know. For me, as I was about halfway through a sermon and I thought to myself, man, let's just get this one over with. But let me tell you something. That is inevitably the time when someone will greet me at that door and say to me, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. And that, my friends, is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is a God thing that has nothing to do with us. And so sometimes the best thing that we can do is to do the best we can and then get out of the way and let the Spirit work. When Christ left our world, He promised that the Holy Spirit would come upon all who believed in Him. And we cannot program the Holy Spirit. It blows where it will. But we can allow the Spirit to blow into our hearts and make us new people. In fact, the Holy Spirit may be working in someone's heart here today. And here's what it offers. It offers new life, new joy, new purpose, and new effectiveness in serving Christ. And so the challenge I leave you today is this. Won't you open your heart and let the wind of God blow into your life today? The Holy Spirit is there and waiting for you. All you have to do is ask. Amen.